Hello and welcome to Evidence of Grace, a podcast from Revolution 22 Church in Boise, Idaho. The purpose of this podcast is for members of our church body to share their testimony and how God is continually working in our lives. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you continue to love God and love others. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Ben Bullshaw. I've really enjoyed getting to hear Ben's story and how he's endured so many ups and downs, especially with his faith throughout his life. Ben's story is all about understanding God's love and grace through and despite sin. I think there's a lot to learn from this episode, so sit back and enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Evidence of Grace podcast. Very special guest today, Mr. Ben Bolshaw. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Is it do you, do you prefer Ben or or Benjamin? I Benjamin is the legal name, but I know Ben is easier and I don't mind it at all, so okay. that's usually what I say. Yeah. Overcomplicated, but <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fair. What's the middle name? William. Oh, and your son's name is William. Yep. Nice. That is my my paternal grandfather's name. So. Ah, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Uh, and speaking of William, just had his his first birthday. Yep, Friday. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Friday was what? June? Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say this won't come out this June second. So. Okay. Whenever it comes out, <laughs> they're going to be like, "Wait, I thought his birthday was yeah. a couple weeks ago." For <laughs> sure. Yeah, big uh, milestone. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, and and you said the party was was fun and everything. It was. So. Yeah, we had a great time. So. That's awesome. Well, dude, I'm excited to. Uh, to get into your your story a little bit um how long have you been going to rev just just to start off yeah gosh i always lose track um i've been back in boise for seven years um i started going to a gc um shortly after i arrived i'm good friends with jesse hart from college and he was running one at the time and then i but i wasn't really going to church um for a couple reasons that i'll eventually get into (laughs) But uh, I started, like, really being involved and getting engaged, I think, the beginning of 2018. So okay. is that five years? Yeah, that's about when, five I, and a half. That's about when I started, too. Yeah, I think that's right. I might get my years off, but that's I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. Well, let's start at the uh, the very beginning, then. Yeah. Where yeah. where your Boise born and raised, right? Nampa. Yep. Nampa, okay. Treasure well, Valley. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, born and raised in Nampa. Um uh, I have an older sister. Her name is Becca. Uh, she's actually visiting right now for William's birthday, and so it's been good to see her. Um, she's just a couple years older um, and lived a pretty good life as a kid, uh, middle-income family. Um, my uh, family was what I'd say is cultural Christian. We, okay. I would have probably said I was a Christian growing up, but um, didn't really – uh, wasn't super involved in church and I really didn't have a grasp of the gospel. I could have said Jesus's name as the Sunday school answer, but I had no idea what, what it was about. Um, and kind of a big, uh, moment in my life growing up, my parents divorced when I was eight. Um, and my dad quickly remarried afterwards. Um, and my stepmom had two sons from her prior marriage, and they were one was just a little bit older than me, and the other was just a little bit younger than my sister. So we were actually in the same grade levels, uh, but they were both older than me. Was that um, was that weird? It was, and they were they were like 
friends that we had known. I had known them from school and stuff. We weren't <laughs> close, but um, they quickly became brothers, you know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Like, you, yeah, I, I'm trying to, I, maybe the listeners are doing the same thing, but I'm, like, internally in my head, I'm like, okay, who would that be at my mm. school? Yeah. And that's a weird. Definitely not kids, boys at school that you would have said were your friends, but, like, you knew, you know, knew yeah. their names. And actually, yeah. they were in Cub Scouts. The younger one was in Cub Scouts with me. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, um, it was cool to have brothers all of a sudden, but also that house um we had split custody week to week and that house was um a little more tumultuous and challenging um trying to have blended family and um there's a lot of hardship from the boys side with their dad um and so uh yeah it was just it was sometimes it was really hard to be there. there's a lot of good memories i have at my dad's house but i feel like m- most of the time um it was hard and um my mom didn't decided not to date for a long time just to have us kids be able to have some you know stability and um and so her house felt like a place of peace and mm-hmm. and um and so yeah it was it was an interesting childhood growing up in that um and i feel like my dad was really focused on trying to make that marriage and that family situation work and um i don't blame my parents for everything but my dad certainly was more engaged with that and i don't feel like he personally connected yeah. with my sister and I. I think she would say the same um so that was hard especially in the formative years um, i was gonna say like eight, eight's pretty young i mean you don't have and i feel like you don't have too much of a grasp on what um like marriages and yeah what no. your parents relationship is like so no we were i mean i was pretty excited actually when it happened because um my mindset at the time was like, Oh, cool. Two Christmases, two birthdays, say, yeah. um, new brothers and a bigger yeah. family more grandparents, you know? Um, but it was certainly like once I got into middle school and like, um, you know, those kind of more formative years that are important for your dad to be engaged. Um, and when you start to realize kind of what, what kind of person you are and what, what life is about, like those were hard years, yeah. um, for me. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of my early life and kind of the setup and then um, kind of what I call my before Christ years. Um, I was going into high school. Um, I was a pretty awkward kid, pretty nerdy, and um, and I was really fixated. I look back and realize how fixated I was on popularity and, and being liked by other kids, and I think I felt like I wasn't liked by other kids, and that I'm pretty sure that was just my own perspective and some kids were mean, you know, and, and bullyish, but that's just kids, you know, did you, but, sorry, did you go to like what high school did you go to? Was oh yeah. Just I, Nampa? Uh, Columbia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was brand new. I was the first class to go all four years oh, nice. um, through Columbia, the third, the third high school out in Nampa. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun in high school, but I, I remember like explicitly having the mindset of, I'm not really liked. I don't enjoy my life and kind of what's going on. Um, I, I had some friends, but they were kind of hot and cold, like, you know, no one I could really rely on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember having the mindset going into freshman year of high school, like I'm going to, I'm going to be liked and I'm going to make someone that people like. Um, and so I remember my dad took me to the mall. We all went to the mall to go shopping and we went to Hollister and Abercrombie and all those, you know, really popular places. Excuse me. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get all the cool polos. And like, that was the, the thing back then was the polos yeah. with the pop collars. Uh, just cringe. Gonna, yeah, that might not be the kids are listening. I don't yeah, know if yeah. I would recommend that uh, yeah. today. Yeah. But. Um, 
yeah i just i remember and i like kind of became the class clown um okay definitely like took the the make a fool of myself route um and yeah like that's what high school was and i have a lot of i had a lot of fun um but i certainly looking back see that i was like looking for not only just pleasure and like satisfaction of the flesh but also looking for fulfillment and purpose and meaning um and like I said, we were cultural Christian. We had kind of been in and out of church and stuff, but nothing super regular and consistent. And I had tried youth groups out in high school and, and early on, and they just felt kind of like social clubs and like fun groups. They All they did was played games, and I didn't know it, but I think I was looking for answers to questions that I didn't know I had, and I wasn't finding that, and so I never really stuck around for those. Um, did your did your which, – which, if any – parent or our house that you were living at like were were they both kind of the same of like hot yeah. and cold or no yeah that's yeah. a good question um so my mom's my grandparents on my mom's side lived in nampa and they were really faithful churchgoers yeah. really faithful christians um and so i think they were the ones that i probably tried the most with uh, early on and i would go to church with them off and on even without my mom okay um, and then my dad and my stepmom actually got really involved with some first of the Nazarene church plants that they were meeting in some of the schools in Nampa. So they got really involved. Um, and I remember going to church with them quite a bit for it, but I just, I don't remember getting involved with the youth and really getting plugged in myself. It felt like that was Julie and dad's thing and we would go along with them on their weeks. But other than that, yeah. I just didn't feel like I was engaging with it. So yeah. yeah, it's kind of interesting how that all came about, but, um, I mean, and I don't, I think that probably hurts the experience too, just having, you know, going from a different house and a different situation week to week and then them also having a different situation. So your mind's kind of in a bunch of different places. And if they're not totally walking it out, then I'm sure your day to day is different in that as well. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to look back on that now knowing where you're at, but, um, yeah, that's just that it, that makes sense to me why it is the way that it that it was yeah so. yeah for sure um so yeah i spent high school kind of chasing things and um and actually it was in middle school um kind of a really big thorn in my life is was a big porn addiction um that had started in middle school um and just like was full bore in high school just like i mean daily use and um and just and, you know, my, my, my idea of sex and all of that was totally informed by the culture and by media and, and movies and stuff. And, um, and I just like, it was really enjoyable. And so I was like, you know, this is filling a hole that I have. I know it's not really filling it. And it, I hate myself because of it at the same time, oddly enough. Um, but yeah, so it was really rampant and I just, I didn't even know where to go with it, but I knew it was wrong. Um, and so I, I think through that and then some other paths I took in high school and things that I had consumed and, um, tried in, in the sexual sin sphere as well as drugs and stuff. Um, that, yeah, I was like, this stuff is not filling the hole. Um, and I kind of hate myself because of all of it, but I don't know what else to turn to. And, um, I just remember getting to the end of high school and feeling really hollow and empty. And like, I didn't know what I was living for. And, um, not like in a depressive, like suicidal that's, way, but just like, yeah. what is this all for? And that's kind of my next question was it, it didn't ever get to that or no, there was, there was a point I think in eighth grade when I was like, I, I think all my friends were kind of 
you know, it was one of a bad bouts with friends and I felt like no one was around. And also my addiction was, was on strong and, and puberty was hitting hard that, yeah, no. that I got into some dark places, but I don't think, you know, the thought of suicide crossed my mind, but it wasn't anything I ever fully like took the path on right. and really contemplated. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was middle school is hard. Um, yeah. but that's not what I was thinking at the end of high school. It was just like, what the heck is this about? And the only thing that I really had kind of holding on to in my mind was um was i knew i was going to college at u of i um up up in moscow and i was like that's all like i'm just getting out of this town and i'm i don't know what's ahead of me but that's where i'm going yeah um and so i feel like god really took that moment in my life um and i think that's when he encountered and stepped in really you know i, I know he was moving and working throughout my life but when I got up to U of I, um, I rushed through the Greek system and, uh, I joined a fraternity. It kind of came down between two fraternities. There was one that was kind of a party house, um, farmhouse. And it was like, I knew that I could keep, you know, drinking and I wasn't a big drinker, but I was smoking a lot of pot at the time. And I was like, <laughs> I could keep smoking pot. I can keep screwing around and partying and just doing this thing that I've been doing. And then there was Theta Chi, um, which wasn't a Christian house, but it was refounded by some Christian guys about a decade before I arrived. And there was a lot of Christian dudes in it. So there's a lot of that influence. And I was like, I know if I go to this place, they'll probably make me walk the straight and narrow and straighten me up. But I think that's, I really knew that that's what I wanted and needed. Um, and so, yeah, I remember kind of rushing between the houses and I stayed a night at each house to really feel it out. And when I went back to Theta Chi and I walked on the lawn, it just felt like home, like huh. already, even after having only been there for a few days. And, uh, yeah, so I, I joined that house. They let me in and, um, and yeah, just being around those Christian dudes, I actually saw people walking Christian faith and what that looked like. And I think the moment that I actually heard the gospel for the first time, and it really resonated with me. And, and I like this, the way that God did this, because I think it's a good testimony for, for other people, um, was there was a house advisor that had been one of the founding members a decade before who was kind of helping out with the house stuff. And just, I mean, he wasn't living at the house, but he was engaged and, and he wanted to meet all of us freshmen and take us out to coffee. And I was like, sweet, free coffee. Yeah. Dude, I'll, I'll take you up on it. And so we went downtown Moscow and got some coffee and we were sitting out in front of the coffee place and we had a lot of small talk. I kind of told him my story and, um, and he was asking questions about, you know, kind of the th same thing we were just talking about, you know, and, and, and church rearing and stuff. And, and we got to the end of the conversation and he was, he just asked me flat out. He's like, you know, you've been saying some stuff and I'm, you know, I'm just curious, like if we were to get hit by a city bus right now on this, on this patio, do you think you'd go to heaven or to hell? And I remember <laughs> I explicitly said, I was like, you know, I think I've done some good things, but I don't think I've done enough good to outweigh all the bad that I've done. And then he shared the gospel with me and I don't remember how he presented it, yeah. but I remember it's the first time I heard it. And I may have heard it before someone may have shared it with me, but I don't feel like anyone sat down and like intentionally shared it with me like that. And I certainly wasn't ready to hear it until that moment. And so I feel like that's when the, the seed planted and then... Um, I certainly didn't like convert in that moment, um, but it really hit me. And then I think just a combination of living in the fraternity with those guys day in and day out. And then also, um, resonate church was up there and was kind of in its earlier years. 
and I got plugged in with that community. I remember I went up there and, and for some reason I had it in my mind. I think I was, I thought I was Christian enough that I was like, I hated all the, all the churches and stuff I tried in the Valley. So when I get to Moscow, I'm going to try every church in town before I pick one. And so I was like, that's, impressive. Uh, that's what I was going to do. But <laughs> I resonate was the first one I went to because a bunch of my fraternity brothers went to it and I went there and I was like, nope, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they were, they were so like good at and greeting people and, and meeting where you were and, um, and just super sticky community. Um, and so I got plugged in with one of their freshman small groups and, and got a lot of questions answered through that and just interacting with, with Christians and stuff. Um, and I think I spent most of my freshman year kind of wrestling through, through justification and, and all of that and all the things that I had done in high school and, and in my life that I was really troubled with. Um, and so I don't think it was, I mean, there wasn't a moment in my life where I like feel like I gave my life to Jesus in one conversation um, with God, but um, certainly over a time period. And I remember spending a lot of nights, especially in the spring, on the floor of my room in the fraternity, just on my hands and knees crying with God and wrestling with stuff. And so, but I think by the end of my freshman year, I, I think okay. I was I was a Christian um, and saved again by God's grace. Um, and then... Yeah, I mean, college, I was in Moscow for five years for school um, and uh, was blessed to be able to, like, lead small groups for a good portion of it while I was up there and went on mission trips to Tijuana and, and just, I mean, it was really, it was a blast. And it, there was a lot of ups and downs. Like, I feel like I would come back home to the Valley and, and do internships at Micron and, and drink all summer and, and be stupid, you know, and, but then I'd always get back to school and back to community and, um, and just realize that that wasn't it, you know, hmm. and just, I mean, I got down on myself for pursuing worldly stuff and trying to fill that hole again, but God was faithful each time. Yeah. Well, and what a, it's just to go back to that, that conversation you had <clears throat> at first, like that's a, that's a, um, just a gutsy question for that for for him to yeah. ask you like yep you're sitting on the patio he, he's just bought you coffee and he's hearing about your life and um yeah i just i i think that's so cool to i, I love hearing when people i think are just obedient to what god is mm-hmm. putting on their hearts because i imagine he's sitting there listening to your story and he's like this kid obviously has some interest yeah. in faith because even though he's he's doing all these like pursuing all these worldly stuff he's he still comes to he still wants to try church he's still like he has something in him that's that's you know um like just prickling at him or i don't know like and and i don't know i just think that's a great question to ask uh, mm-hmm. a a kid like you were um yeah just like hey do you think you're going to heaven or not yeah. And and your answer is so perfect. Yeah. Like I, I I can imagine he is sitting there and he's like, oh, what a like that is such a beautiful that is God lobbing yeah. a softball a right down the middle. Right oh, that is like he he was probably smiling ear to ear because you know sure. that's uh, it's hard to to share the gospel with people when they are maybe have been hurt by the church mm-hmm. in the past or like I, I I'm if it was a similar situation to you but maybe one of your parents had gone to church for a while and then stopped or something like that where yeah. they've been hurt or maybe they just are it's a totally different conversation when that person is atheist or just doesn't think there is a god right but man he had to have been so excited to share the gospel yeah. with you in that in yeah. that moment because that's such a 
and I mean, I know you, you said you wrestled with the idea of justification and kind of what that means. And I mean, I think Christians wrestle with that idea all the time. So yeah, yeah, that just, I can imagine he was so excited to share that with you. Yeah. And the fact that he was like, wanted to go out of his way to meet all of us and, um, and like, yeah, that he set that conversation up well in a way that he really cared about me and wanted to know who I was before he, you know, kind of dove into that question. Totally. So, totally. yeah. So you were, you're, yeah. So you're fighting, kind of, kind of fighting back, back and forth. Um, I'm assuming just with your kind of your identity and you said it, you were, when you came back here having, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's tough. You step away from community and, uh, and especially mm-hmm. the community that you seem to enjoy way more than you did when you were here. Was there ever a, like, did you ever want to stay in Moscow for the summer or like, what was, what was kind of that like? Cause I know that's, that can be kind of tough. And that's a good question. No, I, I don't think I ever had that thought just because in college, you know, I was, you know, fixated on the degree and what I was doing and, yeah. Um, and knew that internships were really valuable to building a career and, and getting out there. I did stay my fourth summer. Um, we were supposed to, I was supposed to lead a mission trip to India. Um, there was a group of like four or five of us and we were doing like a, we were helping survey and scope out the best locations to drill wells for water. But at the same time, like using that as a way to yeah. share the gospel That's in the cool. villages. And so we were getting all ready to do that. And then like, we didn't get our visas in time because uh, the Indian government fired the consulate in San Francisco and it was just this huge debacle. So we were like sitting in Moscow for a month waiting to see if our visas would show up in time yeah. for us to go. And that sucks. And they never did. So yeah, it sucked because we didn't have anything lined up, but actually that summer was, was awesome. And it was great because I stayed in community and I didn't, you know, fall off the rails. Um, and, uh, and one of my professors was nice was, he was nice enough at first, um, and a, a Christian guy, actually, I found out, I think, later. Um, Dr. Aston, really great guy. Um, he, like, at first employed me to just, like, do yard work in his yard and, like, pull weeds and stuff. Nice. And then after we kind of realized that I wasn't going, he, like, hired me into the lab on site. And I was able to do some research yeah, work for him. So it was cool. really cool what God did with that summer. But, um, yeah, so five years up at U of I. Um, what was your degree in? Chemical engineering and chemistry. All right. I double majored. So Yeah, that... Okay, that, that checks yeah. out. But it's wow. not impressive. I, I had a horrible GPA because okay. I, I decided to be an engineer and try and have a life outside of it. So Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so um, my first job that I got, and it was kind of just like I took the job I could get because I didn't want to be the guy that graduated and didn't have a job lined up, was at uh, Boise Cascade Plywood Mill up in Kettle Falls, Washington, like – um, I lived in Colville, which is north of Spokane, about an hour and a half, like 45. But it was Boise. The company was called Boise? Boise Cascade, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yep, yep. They, I mean, they, they had stuff all over the okay. Pacific Northwest. Gotcha. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was almost to Canada, up in the very corner of, of Washington. There's not um, much up there. What's that? There's not much up there. No. Nope. <laughs> it's a hard place to go as, yeah. a, as a recent college graduate. And, um, and yeah, I... I had started a relationship at the end of my uh, university years. Didn't date at all through college until my last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we unfortunately, like, had started off pretty strong, but she wasn't um, super mature in her faith and kind of had some different ideals about things. And, and yeah, it just became really unhealthy, especially once I had moved to Washington. Um, we just 
yeah, weren't doing things that uh, good Christian couples should do, you know? Um, and so, um, yeah, so that relationship lasted five or six months into my time at Washington. And I just, I think I realized as soon as I left and got plugged in at Washington is like how much my faith was grounded in the community I was in and how much, like, as soon as I was uprooted out of that, like it kind of crumbled and fell apart. And yeah. I wouldn't say I became like an apostate and like lost the faith, but I just like, I, I went so sideways, um, and lost and, and just really struggled to get it back outside of community. And we broke up. Um, I think I was in, in Washington five or six months. Um, and I was in Washington for a total of a year. And so that second half of the year that I was there was like probably one of the darkest times of my life. Just like feeling alone in Washington. There was one guy that had graduated with me from U of I and was working up at the lumber mill. And uh, we would pretty much that whole winter, we'd go work and then we'd go to the bar and drink beer and watch football um, like almost every night and um, put on a whole lot of weight <laughs> that year. Um, but yeah, it was just, I was not thriving or living well there at all. Um, and so I think even after like four or five months of moving there, I realized I didn't want to continue a career at Boise Cascade. Just the career paths weren't anything I was interested into um, professionally. And so I started looking for other jobs, but it took me, I think, seven, seven months to find something else. Um, And so, yeah, it was Micron that brought me back. Um, And so I moved back to the Valley in May. Um, Was that, sorry, was that tough at all? I mean, I guess I, it makes sense maybe that you cause of the bad experience that you had, but like with your previous job, but mm-hmm. was it tough at all to go back to the Valley? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, I think because of what I was coming out of, I was so yeah. excited, um, to, to get back to something I knew. And it's not like, I mean, I, my job was fun. I enjoyed it. And the, the, the place that I lived was beautiful. I mean, it was landscape wise. It was beautiful. It's just like, it was really hard for me to connect socially with people because it was either you were really old or you had a family with kids, um, was pretty much the demographics or you were in high school. And I actually, the one thing I think God used to kind of help get me through that season was I helped mentor a high school robotics team in Kettle Falls and like really connected with the kids. And that, that honestly, like. If I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be at now. Yeah. Um, That's cool. But yeah, so no, coming home, I was excited. Um, I didn't really know anybody because I certainly, I mean, I never lived in Boise growing up. And so it's not like I was coming back to something I knew and I right. knew it was kind of a fresh start, but but it was still hard. Like I, I think I spent that year in Washington kind of off the rails and then it took me another year and a half in Boise before I kind of pulled my head out of my butt or God pulled my head out of my butt and, uh, and got me back where I should be. Um, because I, I think uh, I was kind of spinning out of that relationship still, there was still a lot of hurt and I was trying to numb a lot of that. And so I spent, I guess, two years just like kind of living the wayward life again and, um, drinking a lot. I drank more in those two years than I did throughout probably high school and college combined. And, um, and yeah, it's it's kind of sad because I I had tasted and seen just how good Jesus was and yeah. how that's all I needed, and yet I was chasing this stuff to try and feel yeah. pleasure, and I think also numb numb the pain right. that I was feeling and not knowing how to deal with that. And so, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I went to a lot of music festivals and made a lot of friends and stuff. But um, but yeah, I was definitely running um, 
And like I said, I, I, I came back and joined Jesse's small group, yeah. his gospel community at the time and, and was really plugged in there, but it felt like I was totally living a double life. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask, so that was, you like got back to the Valley and then like, was it pretty quickly you joined his GC? Yeah. Yeah. I think they started the GC that fall. Okay. Um, and you said, I, and you I had come May? back in May. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, I'd gone actually to, uh, he, I think he was going to Jonathan Sika's gospel community at the time. Uh-huh. And so I think I went with him like twice to that one. And then I think pretty shortly after that, they started theirs and okay. I went. So, and I was a part of that one for, for years and years and actually took over leading it. But, um, but yeah, so I was, li- I was partying it up and then also being a part of the group and I would go to, to Sunday service sometimes but my first little over a year i was at micron i worked on shift and so there was some sundays that i would work and then there was like sometimes i would work until midnight the night before just but for the most part even if i had an opportunity to go to sunday service i made an excuse not to like i just i was trying to avoid that um and so yeah i kind of spent like i said a year and a half or so just kind of screwing around and then i think um through another relationship um that um, kind of ended pretty poorly. Um, that's, and I, oh, and I, I didn't even mention this whole time. Like I still was in and out wrestling with my porn addiction, um, even as a Christian and, and all through college. And there'd be spells where I would, you know, purge for six months and feel like I was free and like, you know, out of it. But like, it was just a binge and purge cycle over and over again. And then I think in those years after college, like it was in full throws again, I'm um, just trying to fill the hole. Um, and that was like a huge source of shame for me, like that I was a Christian and called myself a Christian and knew Christ and yet still struggled with this thing. Um, and so after that relationship ended, which was really, I mean, I don't know what would have happened even if I wasn't a porn addict at the time, but it was very clear that that was one of the main poisons that killed that relationship. Um, and so it was at the end of 2017, I think, in December when that relationship ended. And I was like, okay, A, I need Jesus and I need the church and I need to seriously deal with this problem. Yeah. And I was looking at like counseling through work and all these different options. I was like, I need professional help. And nothing really came up um, right away. Um, but that's when I really plugged into Rev was that January 2018, and I just instantly started serving. We were still over at the Foothill School, and so just after service, I would hang out, and, like, I was like, whatever I can do to help tear down, like, how can I be of help? Um, and it's just, like, such a huge blessing when you give yourself to that and, and dive in, like, how the Lord rewards you, and that's where you find community. That's where you meet people and, and are really a part of the church. Yeah, um, yeah and, I think that's just a big <clears throat> that's just a big life lesson in general. Cause that was pretty similar to me with, with Rev, honestly, just in general was I had gone for a, a little while and my parents, that was something that they instilled with me was just like, you have to like, once you find this church, you have to serve. And I, I, yeah, just going from being someone that would go and sit in the back and then leave to being someone that, just serves in just in any way you can the amount of doors it opens with people and the connections it makes is yeah. insane so that's interesting to me too that you i i don't know i just that's so that's just, just such a cool god thing that that's was put on your heart to to not just start going to church more but to actually start serving more yeah because like, i i don't think that happens 
to everyone. Right. Well, and that's like, I mean, that's, it's kind of sad to me looking back because I had spent five years serving really deeply in the community at yeah, Resonate yeah. And, and like had seen how fruitful and wonderful that is. And I honestly, looking back, I'm, it's not like I was stupid. I knew that if I got in a community, like people would see my crap and, um, I couldn't keep living the way that I was. And so, um, I think it took God tearing that down yeah. to let me feel like getting back into the vulnerability of serving and, um, and yeah, but it's just, it's wild how much, like when you go from consumer to someone who's actually involved and just how much blessing comes out of that. Um, and yeah. so that was cool to just really be a part of a community again and, and just how quickly I made friends and was sharing life with people again that were really fruitful and, um, and good for me. Um, and then I think it was later in that 2018 year that, um, Rev started another round of, of pure desire groups for men um, who stu- struggle with sexual sin and, and porn addiction, and I got in with one of those groups. And uh, yeah, it was it was one of the most transformational things that I've ever been a part of. Um, and I, the, what's wonderful about the pure desire program is it kind of mixes um, like scriptural, spiritual, biblical therapy with psychological like not denying the reality of the brain and, yeah. and the psychochemistry that goes on and um when you're becoming an addict and how your brain is actually wired to to need um and to seek those pathways out um and so yeah just it walks that really well and um and to do it in a tight knit night tight knit group of dudes um who are just wrestling through it together and yeah. And there's this moment where you realize, oh, yeah, I'm not the only person who struggles with this. And actually, the people who do struggle with it struggle with it very similarly the, the way I do. Um, and we can walk through this together um, and let the the spirit in Christ lead us out. And so I think it took us probably a year, year and a half to get through the curriculum. It's it's a pretty long and thorough curriculum, but it dives deep into the sources of your addiction. And, you know, their tagline is or one of them, I guess, is, you know, sex and sexual sin is not about sex it's about pain and and Uh feelings of inadequacy and and, um, worthlessness um due to trauma or whatever in the past that's kind of given you this this belief system that i'm not worthy of god's love and that's what it really boiled down to me that i realized was i knew god loved me and all the things about me except for this little black box i had at the very bottom of who i was and who i saw myself as um and until through through that program and through the help of guys walking with me through it, like until I opened that box and and realized what it was and let God into that space, like I didn't I wasn't fully experiencing grace and like what God had for me as as to love. Because I felt like, yeah, look, God loves me, God loves me, but like he doesn't love this and yeah. he can't love this. Um and obviously he doesn't love our sin, but he he loves us, you right. know, despite our sin and he sent Christ to die for us. And he sent Christ to die for me and my porn addiction and my porn addiction, you know? And so, man, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. That's a really, I, I think there's, I think there's probably so many people that believe that about the, just the way God views them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, I think part of that is the way that the gospel is presented to people um, or Mm -hmm. the way Jesus is presented to some people is like no i i think some people focus a little bit too much on because i there's a popular saying you know it's like uh hate the sin love the sinner 
mm-hmm. which I think at its root is true. Yeah. But the way that I think when some people say that, they really hate the sinner. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is what I think is so detrimental. Yeah. And it's like, and that I think is is just our, like our human, our flesh is own sin. Yeah. Is because we don't have that capability to to love the way that Jesus loves. Right. Which is why the more I, I don't know, the more I've just been reading and learning uh, and talking through like what God's love and what Jesus love actually is. Mm-hmm. You just realize like we can say all those sayings that we want and we can say like, Oh, we're going to love you through this. But in reality, the only reason we, we do love people through it or the only way we're capable of that is because we have it ex- modeled for us. And like Jesus, yeah, that's the way Jesus loves us. And right. that's, I, I don't know. I think that, yeah, I love that picture. I don't know. In my mind, I'm, I'm like thinking about just like your, a, a face that has like a, a black dot on it that's mm. filled. And it's like, yeah, I, I know that Jesus loves me, but there's, there's a, a, a part of me that's not complete because that's how I view myself when in reality it's about learning how Jesus loves you. Yeah. And there's something about that little sin that you won't give up and that you won't unveil that it's like it's not just some secondary tertiary thing like it's it is like so tied to who you are and who you see yourself as really more who you see yourself as than who you really are that that's why it's so hard to to open up is because when i open up that like i open up who i really am and who i really think like who i see myself as and who god sees myself as and the truth all along was that god had loved me but i had i had grown so attached to this sin that like i couldn't see myself without this sin you know and that's what the healing work of of Christ and and the program really opened up and um and yeah it's hard it's like for some reason that, like as Christians we have this sense where we need to defend the faith and the 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 holiness of the faith to where it's like okay we're saved now all right let's be holy and clean and, and righteous and if there's any unrighteousness then you know there's punishment it's like all of a sudden there's punishment right you know? it's, it's like, like oh do you really believe then yeah like, oh you're 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 sinning still like after you're a christian that means you don't you don't really you're not really a christian then right and I, it's like the works and faith you know yeah. the yeah. conundrum and it's like we always try and get the cart in front of the horse when it comes to that it's like it's through faith that we're saved and then through the faith that that fruit is born and we mm-hmm. see that and it's certainly an indicator but yeah. we always try and get to a performance base because that's the sin in us we want yeah. the performance and we want a little sliver of of work so that we can claim just yeah. a little bit of glory you yeah. know we want to take just as much glory as we can get so well, that's good yeah so that was i mean that was such a fulcrum and, and pivotal point in my life because until that moment like i said i i had not tasted the fullness of grace and i honestly like i don't even know that i feel like i knew what grace was before that because this little little box was always closed um and so that just like really blew the gates open um on god's goodness and um and and glory and um and so yeah came out of that um 2019 2020 and um 2020 was an interesting year for everyone that's kind of when i like started to get into theology, um, like a little bit more than before. Like I just was like, I'd kind of, I feel like this whole new side of God was open to me because I was like 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but like I just I wanted to eat up everything that I could just, about God. Yeah, you're just I was just in. hungry. Yeah. Like I was as a new Christian, you know, but even more so. Um and so I was like digging into the word and um and into theology and just learning all about God that I could and just loving it up and um and it was really as weird of a year as it was, it was also a really wonderful year. And at the end of 2020 is when I wet, met my wife, um, Mary. We met um, when City Church and Rev merged. Um, we were one of those couples. <laughs> um, she was over at City, and um, and we met at the beginning of that December. Um, the Lloyds, Cameron and Melissa, hosted like a little get-together for City Church and Rev people to try and start mingling and getting to know each other. And it wasn't supposed to be. I don't. At least I don't know. I, maybe it was supposed to be a singles mixer, but um, I don't think that was the intention. But that's what it turned into for us. Um, and yeah, I mean, she's just a wonderful woman, and just loves Jesus so much. And I mean, she could blow me out of the ballpark on theology stuff. It's pretty awesome. Um, and so yeah, we just really hit it off and and. Um, we were kind of a typical Christian couple. Like we got married within nine months of meeting each other. Um, and I just like, I laugh at people before that, like before that happened to us, I was like, man, you guys are crazy. Like, but when you're in it, it's like, man, like when you know, you know, and you know, it's like, there's a certain point where, yeah, there's going to be hard times and challenges, but you know, um, I'm willing to work through that with this woman because I know she loves Jesus and I can see that. And I know she's rooted and grounded in that. And that's all that really matters, you know? Um, and we're attracted to each other, which is good too. So, um, so yeah, um, it's been a blessing. It's been really hard. Um, marriage is really hard. Um, but it's it's like the most rewarding and wonderful hard things. Um, it's, it's really like a crucible of, um, of the faith and sanctification because it really forces you to, to deal with your selfishness and to deal with your issues. Um, when you share life with someone like that. Um, and so, yeah, it has been that for us and it's, it's been really challenging at times with the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but the, the reward and the Lord's work in it has been just so wonderful. Um, and, um, and then we had our son William a year ago from last Friday, which, you know, (laughs) the second and all that stuff, a little bit, uh, back from when this podcast airs, but, um, but yeah, it wasn't, he wasn't a honeymoon baby, but he was (laughs) shortly thereafter. Um, and yeah, I mean. He's just been so wonderful, uh, and man, becoming a parent, especially shortly after getting married, is is a huge life adjustment. You're like you just, I mean, it feels like you're picking your whole life up and turning it ninety degrees and and trying to walk forward, and and so that's come with its challenges. Um, but what what for you? So <laughs> this is funny. I was listening to this uh, podcast earlier, and they were talking to a guy who just had his his first kid, and uh, <laughs> it was t- two guys that don't have kids were asking I, three guys. I think that don't have kids are asking the guy that did have kids the question. So I kind of feel a, a little part of this. Yeah. He doesn't have kids, but he was like, <laughs> the way he phrased it was so funny to me. It was like, what is one of the most like, or what's something that you've learned or what's maybe the most unexpected thing you've learned with having a kid. But he was like, and you're going to say, Oh, I, I love differently than I thought I could ever. It's <laughs> like, I want to hear that. Uh, I want to hear like, what is an unexpected thing you've learned? from from having a kid yeah that's a great question it's a hard one for me because it's it's actually pretty raw and real in my life right now but i found out i'm an angry person uh, (laughs) and i have anger issues um which is like i never would have said that and i don't think anyone around me would. i was just gonna say that would you'd be you're you're pretty low on that totem pole of people that i would expect yeah (laughs) um just like i always thought i was even keeled and could could deal um with hard situations but 
I feel like kind of like Adam Sandler and anger management, you know? Yeah. Not quite like that, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, there's just something about it, it. There was some signs of it when I got married. Um, and, and when Mary and I started living together and then it just really became evident, um, when William came, um, and I think there's a lot of facets to it, but I think what I've learned is just like, there's something about being married and then being a parent where you're cornered. And as a single person, you can like, if there's something you don't like, or maybe some difficult situation you're hitting, you can escape and you can get away and you can play it off and, and people won't even notice, but really you have freedom to just to step out of a situation. Um, and with being married and especially parenting, like you don't like you're in a corner and you have to deal with it. Not like physically. I mean, yes, there's obviously techniques of getting out of the space and cooling off and stuff, but like metaphysically, like you, you're in that. And, um, and so, and I think it was also wrapped up in just like me dealing with becoming a parent and, um, and with a lot of the freedom that I had being taken away, um, because now William needed so much from us and he's really demanding, which I mean, is a wonderful and beautiful thing, but it's also, it was really hard. And I think that just kind of me working through that really revealed, um, how much I maybe wasn't ready to give that up or just wasn't expecting it. And so, yeah, it was really hard for a while, um, to deal with that and just being really surprised and just completely like, I don't even know who I am. Like when this, when, when the anger strikes, you know, and, and so it was, it was really hard. Um, and I went to some counseling for it. Um, I had been to a counselor once before for, for the porn stuff and they were like, yeah, your program's good. Like keep doing your thing. You're good. Um, but like I went to a counselor quite a bit for this cause I didn't like, I didn't know, I don't know if, I mean, anger's anonymous. I don't know. But, um, the counselor was, was somewhat helpful. Um, but really the most helpful thing was I read a book called good and angry by, uh, Dr. Paulison, I think Paulison. Um, he was kind of a pastor, theologian and then like a psychiatrist mix um and it was phenomenal book like just so good so laden with scripture and and just coming at anger at an angle that i don't think ever anyone would ever think to and i legitimately think it's a book that everyone should read whether you think you're an angry person or not like you whether you're the person who blows up and just like loses it all the time like most people think of angry people or you're the person who like is quietly like wanting to kill everyone in your mind and no one knows it or whether you're the person who's like always even killed and doesn't get angry when you're when you should like there's times when we should get angry because anger is the moral emotion it's the emotion that tells us hey this is wrong and something should be done about it and so if you're totally placid when someone's getting you know attacked or something like you know he, he he kind of tackles all the different approaches on it and it just like it totally reshaped my mind around the problem of anger and and how anger can be a good thing like god gets angry god is gets wrathful in the bible and his anger is never sinful right. it's never right. wrong and so how could he be wrathful and, and angry and how can jesus flip tables in the temple um but then we can get angry and, and almost 99 percent of the time we get angry it's wrong and yeah. it's sinful in some way and so it was just, it was super transformational and I'm still really wrestling through a lot of that. And I think, um, now that I've gotten more like, um, we're settled into like parenthood and like we're a year away from William being born now, like, um, we've certainly got more to a rhythm and it's kind of our lifestyle now. And so I don't think I'm dealing with, with challenging things that are really raw in my face, but I don't like delude myself that 
like things could spike up again and, and cause that. And so it's something I still want to wrestle with and, and mm. push through and, and practice like how to be angry like Jesus is. And, um, but yeah, so that's probably not the answer you expected, but like, <laughs> no, but that's, that's, cool. that's been a crazy thing. And it's been cool to see God. That was like another thing is like, and it was kind of interestingly different from the porn addiction because the porn addiction felt like something I voluntarily stepped into. Huh. And like, you know, at some point a long time ago, I had chosen to look at that stuff and kind mm-hmm. of, and the whole addiction cycle, like that can feel like a trap that you can't get out of. Yeah. But at some point I voluntarily chose to dig into but that. With the anger, you're like, I yeah. didn't it was sign like, up for this one. <laughs> who is this guy? Like, I don't even know who this, and I just yeah. felt, I felt so defeated when we were in the throes of it because it was like, when it would pop up, it's like, I can't control it. Like, yeah. it's like, and it's, it was just, and I felt so helpless, but mm-hmm. I think God really stepped in through Mary. Like Mary was just so gracious, gracious and merciful with me. Um, and just helpful to like, you know, obviously not take my crap and you not know, be okay with it, which yeah. I, I thank God that she's the strong woman that who would step up and, and not let any of that go, um, any further. But, um, but yeah, she really helped, helped walk me through that and push me to get help and, and push me to, um, to do that and so the lord was just really merciful in that and mm. and yeah i don't i don't think i'm through it but i feel like the god has really you know just really sanctified another huge part of my life that i didn't realize and there's just still so much more growth there and and i just like man how many angry people are there around me that i you know i want to yeah. talk to about it and help and you know and so yeah that's a good one this, hopefully this is a platform that uh can help people with that so that's awesome yeah cool. um I, this is kind of where I like to talk just to people about like, you know, just like current stuff or what's going on currently. But I feel like at least, I don't know. I noticed like you're, you're involved and passionate about like men's ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, like, do you have any reason for that? Or is that just kind of where you're stepping in right? Like not stepping in right now, um, (laughs) where you just feel called to be right now or, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think kind of the way I, I got into men's ministry was through, um, the sexual recovery stuff. And, um, just because that was so transformational for me that I wanted to, like, I was like, man, I want to get this to as many guys that need it as possible, which, and there's just an innumerable amount of guys that need it, uh, both in the church and out of it. Um, and so I've, I've really felt a calling and a desire, um, to push that and, uh, and to be, ministerial and that and then that just kind of like flowed into other men's ministry stuff and i'm a dude so it just makes sense and it just seemed like you know there was an opportunity to step in and help out and um and so i've been doing that and it's probably just a season you know especially as becoming a father i kind of need to be more selective about where i serve and and i want to be effective in serving in places and not just trying to serve everywhere that i can and so trying to um, I think I'm in a in a point now where I might be evaluating and stepping back from some things and stepping further into other things but um yeah I feel like I'll always have that desire to help guys with the sexual sin and and maybe even now with the anger stuff you know because I know how deep that runs and how how much it trips guys up in a in a healthy walk with Christ and and just knowing what God did in my life with it like I want as many people as possible to experience that and so that's been the men's ministry stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. Um, the other question, I think Ryan asked this to to Bren. Like today is when mm. we we're recording it, but uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> he asked him on June fourth this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is? Oh man, now I forget how he phrased this. It's like, what is a? 
What is a question that you wish people would ask about oh, you? Man, that's such a weird question. Yeah, I know, but I think it's so. I think it's cool, like the way it's. It's like what maybe more like what is something that people don't know about you, or maybe they wouldn't expect about you, um, that that you would like people to know. Man, that's such a hard question. <laughs> um, I know I kind of sprung that on you, so I feel a little bit bad. No, but no, I j- it was fresh in my mind, and honestly, when. When he said it today, I was like, oh, this is a perfect question to ask on a podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully it's not just cricket airtime. Um, <laughs> I can cut it out. Don't worry. <laughs> just kidding. We don't edit anything on what, here. Uh, what? Something people would ask me. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the anger thing was partially something that no one would ever yeah, think to that's, ask. That was, you know? that was kind of what I was saying. What about like... You mentioned the, earlier that like you were a big nerd in high school, yeah. But then you also said you and your buddy like would go out and drink beer and watch football. Every, yeah. So what is what's what's that like? Are you are you both still? Are you mm. would you classify yourself more as a nerd? Would you classify yourself more as like oh, no? I'd rather watch football. Like, oh no. Um, I went through a funny thing. I went through a football phase in that kind of interim period when I was just drinking all the time. Cause it was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I really got into football and did fa- fantasy football and stuff. And now that I'm a dad, I'm like, I don't have time for sports. <laughs> I don't have time for this stuff. So I'm definitely not a sports that guy hurts anymore me because I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that hurts. Me. I would it's definitely, okay. I'd definitely say I'm a nerd, um, in a way that like, I love nerdy stuff like Lord of the Rings and like, okay. um, and that kind of thing. And, um, and I'll nerd out on on certain things, certainly like things that I don't care about. But I, I think a nerd is people think of geeks and yeah. they think nerd, but it's like nerd is anyone who's just like so into something that they know as much about it as they yeah. possibly can. Is that um, I've just noticed? I think is that like right now for you, just like theology, like you said, or I know that was at least at a time. Is that just something that's definitely something I love and am diving more and more into? I don't know. Is there such a thing as a theology nerd? That's a great question. Yeah, there's got yes, yeah, hundred percent. I would say yeah. I'm in I'm in the the Ricky ranks of a theology nerd, like still in my inkling years. Um, I I would say probably like music. Um, ah, there we I go. have divin, do, dove so divin, <laughs> dove so deep into music on some fronts with stuff that like I know where bands are from and I know who's in the band and and it's weird obscure stuff that most people don't know like. Uh, that sounds super hipster. I scratch that out. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Um, like alternative, like indie rock stuff, kind of more art, I, like art rock. Um, but like it's when I get into an artist and I really dig their stuff, like I go all in. Okay. And I memorize all their stuff and I just like go fully into it. And so that's something. And I also, maybe some people don't know. I think some people do, but I love metalcore, like hmm. August Burns Red and stuff. And sometimes that throws people off. They're like, whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, you, interesting. you like metal? And yeah, like I cut my teeth on Metallica and Dream Theater. So that's probably something people <laughs> wouldn't yeah, expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a metalhead. <laughs> nice. All right. There you go. That's so, good. That's good. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, 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 I don't, I don't have anything else. Yeah. Um, that's been good. Yeah, dude. I'm, I, I really appreciate you. Um, just, yeah, just coming on and, um, being vulnerable and, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I was telling, um, man, I think it was Annie Higgins. I did a podcast with her earlier this week and, um, I kind of did like the first round of, uh, podcasts I did were people's stories that I had heard before. That was partly the reason why I chose them is because I was like, I'm starting this new podcast. Like I've heard. 
you know, Brett was the first one I had on. I was like, I've heard Brett's story a few times now and I know he's comfortable sharing it and I know, um, that he's just got a powerful story. So I was like, perfect. And mm. it's been fun now getting to the point where I'm like, I haven't heard some of these people's stories and yeah. that. So now I feel like the listener as well. And, uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoy this and uh, getting to know and seeing God's grace and working through, uh, through, through people at, at our church. So yeah. I wrote down, let's see, I wrote down <sighs> like kind of, I like kind of coming up with not like a tagline of for people's podcasts, but kind of just like what their, I don't know, just, yeah, maybe a short couple sentences or sentence or so about what their story is. And, Hmm. um, I liked for years. I just, I kind of said understanding God's love and grace through and despite sin. Hmm. Um, yep. And so I don't know, that just is kind of what, yeah. What spoke spoke to me? Yeah, I was I was kind of hesitant to come on just because I don't love talking about myself. But <laughs> God has just been so good in my life, despite you know all the crap I've done and and even done since He really changed my life. Uh, but it's just like I feel like I'm swimming in an ocean of grace, right. you know. And um and I just I day in and day out have to wake up and realize that. Um and that's where transformation begins. And and so yeah, God's been really good, and I hope that's been conveyed and. And that's the truth of my story. So, nah, that's awesome, dude. And that's, yeah, that's just that cool. That fires me up. So I yeah. love it. Um, yeah. Do you want to pray and uh, and close us out? Yeah, sure. Right. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace, Lord, and um, and just how that never ceases and never ends, um, despite how short we come and fall of your glory, Lord, and uh, even. Uh, once we become yours, we still stumble and, and do dumb things, Lord, but your grace never ends. And so we just praise you for that. We thank you for the work you've done in, in my life, God. And, and I just pray that that's a, a testimony that encourages um, the saints and uh, encourages people, Lord, to look to you for goodness. And um, and I just pray that, um, yeah, if there's any people that heard part of my story and are curious um about ways out and uh, and what you have to say about things, Lord, um, that you would stir them up and, and come talk to me or, or anybody, Lord, that uh, they know um, has maybe walked a little bit further down a path of freedom. And so we just thank you, God, for, for the testimony of your saints and just how you're working across your church um, and through history, Lord, to glorify yourself and, and to work out our good. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>